Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robin's on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Welcome along to Robin's on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen and Gregor McGregor. There's only one place to start today, and that is the five-all draw against Hull, which we will come on to shortly. Also today, we'll talk about the future of Bobby Reid. We'll be discussing Lloyd Kelly and Zach Viner. We'll hear from Jamie McAllister, ahead of the Forest game at the weekend. And also, we'll be hearing from club legend Lewis Carey. But first, five-all. It's like a cricket score or something, Gregor. We saw the very best and the very worst of Bristol City on Saturday afternoon, didn't we? Yeah, in the press conference afterwards, we called it um, sort of like basketball. Uh, Lee Johnson agreed. It was sort of like, we have a go, you have a go. Uh, and yeah, I mean, if you're the neutral, then it was a terrific game. But um, I did feel a bit sorry for the fans around me because I could hear some of them just literally saying, no, 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 as, uh, <laughs> as uh, Hull obviously kept going forward and kept getting those goals. At 3-1 and at 4-2, you're thinking, right, we're going to finish the day, a point outside the playoff position again, it's back on. Michelle and Gregor were wrong <laughs> by saying it was only 1% chance of making the playoffs. And then come the 90th minute, the fans are probably feeling relieved to leave Ashton Gate with a draw after Joe Bryan's injury time equaliser. Yeah, it's so frustrating, isn't it? Because it looks like they're going to be so close. um, But yeah, not quite do it. And there there have been two or three games, haven't they, like this, like the Sunderland one, the Leeds one away, where if they could have just held out for a bit longer, just kept the... Kept the opposition out, then they might have got a few extra points. There'd be six points further at the table yeah, at least. Would make all the difference, wouldn't it? So, work to do for certain. Work to do. Yeah, but that is is going to cost them. If we look back at that game, where do we apportion some of the blame? And a lot of people going in on Frank Fielding. Okay, he, he had no goal against him, and maybe he should have made some better saves. But you know, it's a team effort, isn't it? Yeah, um, was talking to Jamie uh, McAllister in the press conference today and he was saying about how the guys had, had a very honest um, video review session on Monday. They do that every week though. Um, so yeah, they will have analysed the game themselves and the players are their harshest critics. They really are. They, they'll look at the stuff and I, I speak to a lot of them and I know from what they say that they're an honest bunch and the coaching staff have said this as well. They'll have held their hands up and... We spoke to Frank Fielding today and, and I know that he will have um, felt bad about maybe a couple of goals. I don't, I'm not too sure if, if they were really his mistake, I think. Um, I think maybe he could have done a little bit better on the free kick, Harry Wilson's free kick, which, which was still an excellent... It's near post, you know, which yeah. the goalkeeper should never be beaten there, but it does happen. Yeah, it does happen. Um, but I do think a lot of the other ones were, were sort of 50-50 and I don't think many goalkeepers would have got them. Um, so if that one for the Wilson free kick was a mistake, I do think Frank is sort of in credit because he's, he's made some incredible saves like he did last season. He has done again this season. Um, and I still rate him very highly. But what about his distribution? Because that is something that is constantly questioned. And again, apparently it was off on Saturday. His distribution, yeah. Of course, no goalkeeper gets every pass right. Um, you'd have to look at the percentages across the league as to where he stands there. 
Um, but one thing I would point out is that the third goal, uh, did you? For me, I've said this a couple of times, was one of the goals of the season for Bristol City. From back to front, wasn't it? Exactly. Really? He 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 gets the ball on pretty much his own goal line. He very coolly rolls it forward to Pack. Pack turns brilliantly on the half turn with the ball. He feeds Smith. It goes out wide to Bobby Reed. Bobby Reed crosses it in. Jeju is there to guide the ball home. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant move, lovely move. And I know that that's something um, that they've been working on on the training pitch. Marlon Pack told that to me, said that to me after the game. Um, so yeah, I know Lee Johnson and Jamie McAllister and Dean Holden will have been really pleased to see that one come to fruition. But obviously there's work to do at um, making sure that they can hold out at the other end. Well, that's Bristol City at the best, but Bristol City at the worst. Some of those defensive errors, almost comical. Yeah, um, and as I sort of said, Lee, Lee Johnson after the game um, sort of bemoaned a, a lack of leaders in the squad. He was saying about three different types of leaders that um, that there are um, and he's looking for s- specific qualities and he was saying he doesn't want to stand, um, he doesn't want to see mediocrity from his team but maybe a few times regarding the defensive side of the game we have seen that this season and maybe that's something that they need to improve on. I said to Jamie McAllister today, they, going forward, um, City have got one of the best records in the league. I think they're sort of like sixth best attack currently. And that proves really, doesn't it, that they could have challenged if they'd been more short up defensively. These three types of leader, what does he mean by that? Well, obviously, he referenced Roy Keane, who I believe was in the stands. He, he said that himself, actually. Um, and actually there were a few interesting people in the stands actually maybe a good interjection Lee Carsley sat behind me and he works for the FA now I believe he was probably watching um, Jared Bowen and Harry Wilson Hull, both, yeah. yeah both at Hull but obviously maybe keeping an eye on the likes of Lloyd Kelly although he didn't come on unfortunately Um yeah, and also I believe Brian McDermott, I think I might have seen him, I believe is a scout for Arsenal these days. Oh, but, oh um, wow. Um, but yeah, Lee was citing Roy Keane as the kind of sort of player he wants in his team who just isn't going to accept defeat at, at any point. And he's spoken um, recently about clutch moments, which I had to Google, I don't know, don't, didn't know what that meant. What, clutches in your car? Or? No, I think it sort of comes from American sports and refers to basically the, the key points in the game when you're under pressure, being able to perform at the, at the vital um, the vital pointer. Um, why, so, why not just say that? Why ever complicate it? Well, okay. Right. That's, a, <laughs> yeah, that's not another you, point. Not you, me, Johnson. <laughs> that's, that's another point. Um, but yeah, I, I do know what he means there. Obviously, they need to improve on that that side. I just feel like there's a there's a little bit to go in terms of solidity to the side. But who, who are the leaders then? Because you, you think off the top of your head, okay, a leader is Aidan Flint. But if he's not delivering on the pitch, which he hasn't been so much, you know... Do you start questioning his leadership? Marlon Pack, is he a leader? I, I was watching Marlon closely on Saturday and I thought it was excellent. He was barking the orders and he was telling players what, what to do. And barks orders, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I, yeah, he, he does. I mean, or is it more out of frustration? I think it's more out of frustration. You see, I was watching that final goal go in, and you look at Flinty's reaction, and yeah, he just explodes. But that needs to be channeled sometimes. It's, it's about telling people where to be, not accepting any mediocrity in terms of positioning, passing, giving the ball this away, these kind of things. Well, obviously, we don't have the Instagram on the pitch, and I would love to know what players say to each other during the game. You know, if we could be that close and hear it. 
but it does seem that Marlon Pack is someone that's constantly given instructions. Certainly, I know I was asking um, Jamie McCast about what they've been working on defensively, and I know that one of the things that arose from the video analysis meeting is communication, um, and that's something. I always thought guys... Baker and Flint communicated quite well then. But yeah, not. sorry, I think me, I think maybe across the whole team, and they've certainly had a, a big session on improving their communicating. Um, pulling people into place, making sure that everybody's aligned um, and, and correctly positioned and more than that, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, that's one area that they've been imp- trying to improve this week. But is it, it's a mental thing as well, isn't it? You know, when you're 3-1 up, you're 4-2 up. When you're leading Sunderland, 3-0. When you're up against Leeds, 2-0. And you're throwing... It, a, it's a, the only way to put it, because sometimes when you go to a manager and say, oh, did you throw that lead away? They'll get very defensive about it in post-match conferences and, and interviews. Yep. But they have. It's, it, they've done it... Absolutely, and uh, Lee mentioned the leadership and um, I did ask him after the game and said, listen, Lee, why, if you haven't got these leaders, then um, is that because the balance of the team isn't right or because um, you haven't recruited enough? Um, And unfortunately, he wasn't willing to answer that question um, for whatever reason. Um, But yeah, I mean, he answered other stuff, so it's it's not a big deal. Um, And I'm sure that he will be hell-bent knowing Lee um, and what a stickler for detail that he is. Um, and also, he was he was seething. You could see this. He was seething after the match. He, he I think he... he I heard that he not. didn't let the, the players out of the dressing room until 20 to 6. It was really late. This was probably part of it, actually. This was really late um, when he came up afterwards, so a good hour. Um, so he was obviously talking to them for a long time. Um, I have another slight theory as well. I don't know how true this is, but somebody told me that um, maybe Steve, uh, um, Steve Lansdowne was very angry after the game. I'm not sure uh, how how reliable that is. But um, it might explain, why again, why he might have been in a bad mood and then was um, maybe a little bit off in the press conference. But these things happen, you know. And I think it's actually... Um, being a bad loser in football, in my opinion, marks you out as a winner. Um, unfortunately, you need that. You need people who just refuse. And this goes back to what he was saying about Roy Keane. You need people who just will not accept losing. Mm. But Nigel Adkins is the whole manager and he went through that roller coaster as well with his team. What was he like after? Yeah, he, he was very complimentary about Bristol City. And it was funny, actually... He, he said that basically wants Hull to be in Bristol City's position next year. And that's a real compliment, isn't it, to the Robin mm, saying yeah. we, we want to be where they are. And also there's a wider point here that perceptions of Bristol City and Lee Johnson outside the club are very, very high. Mm. I know there's been a lot of fans moaning about this and some obviously some fans um, see this as a real missed opportunity this season, which it is. But um, at the same time, I think people see the uh, bigger picture and that there has been progress. Um, and yeah, that has certainly been uh, the case outside the club where I know uh, Neil Harris the other week even mentioned Lee Johnson in reference to the manager of the season mm, talk. He did, he did. Well, due to the result that Derby pulled out of the bag against Cardiff last night, that pretty much sees the Robins done and dusted and out of the playoffs, doesn't it? It's, I just, I feel sad saying it and I'm not even a Bristol City fan, but it just seems such a shame that it's come to an end in this way when we know they've been capable of better and it, it just it just didn't happen. It is, but... One point I keep making is that, okay, you made it to the playoffs. Imagine they did. It doesn't mean you're going to go up. Only one of those four teams is. I'm not confident that Bristol City could have beaten any of the other three. Not any of the other three teams over the two legs. Um, I think it's it's the team that has the form going into it, isn't it? And you've got a fancy. I mean, I wouldn't rule Fulham out going automatically now. It's going to go down to the wire between Cardiff and Fulham. It's going to be thrilling. 
but then you've got filler in there as well. You know, you've got a fancy Villa or Cardiff in that little pack, haven't you? I would have I would have fancied Bristol City against Fulham, actually. And would you? Yeah, because I just think those two games that I saw against Fulham, yeah, I really yeah. felt Bristol City probably had the better of it over both games. Mm. Um, for some reason, they seemed to suit playing them. However, Villa was the opposite. Really don't oh, feel... Oh, really poor. Yeah, yeah, I really don't feel they could have beaten Villa over two legs. So... Yeah, maybe they're better off not being in it. <laughs> all, all hypothetical questions, because mm. uh, what, what, you know your statistician from last week, has he done you another stat for this week? What's the chances now? One not point no 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 one percent Not as high as that, as, I don't think. But, uh. <laughs> OK, well, let's move on then from talking about the whole game and let's talk about Bobby Reid and some news that you may or may not have about his future. Well, I have to say this is rumours and speculation on my part. Um, I don't can't verify things enough to be able to write about them. So, um, but yeah, latest I heard, and yeah, you probably take this with a pinch of salt, is that the club won't match um, his wage demands um, that he that he his agent is asking for at the moment. Now, I have to say that might may or may not be true, and also things change very quickly. So, in the summer, one of them will probably have to change position, otherwise. Um, yeah, it's going to be. Very but Bobby awkward. reads on for the Golden Boot in the Championship. You know, there's going to be so many clubs sniffing around him. Yeah, I, there definitely will be. I mean, there's interest, and um, certainly there's there's loads of scouts every week down at Bristol City from various clubs. And yeah, it's only natural that people are going to be interested in what is now well the player that is now the the sort of most potent player in the league. If you combine mm-hmm. both goals and assists, um, Vidra obviously has overtaken him now in the goal scoring chance, but he's right up there. Um, and yeah, it's going to be interest. Um, so I think from Bobby's point of view, what I've been told by a couple of sources is because um, I originally thought he might want to be loyal to Bristol City and Lee Johnson, who's um, helps um, in a way sort of create him as a striker this mm. season. But um, I do see it from Bobby's point of view that he's obviously not on the best contract at the moment because he was he would have signed that deal a long time ago when he wasn't a first-team regular. Yeah. And also, I believe there was a good chance of him leaving but, um, a few years ago, possibly... But here's the thing, like he didn't. He might think that he didn't have that loyalty a couple of years ago and he kept getting loaned out, you know? Exactly. I mean, it's only this season that he's been a first-team regular. What about all the years before? So how far does that loyalty extend? 24? 25 or 26 now 25 I think so he's not so young really but some people point this out as well people think he's younger than he is because he's taken this long to sort of break into the first team yeah but I want to he's uh, he's 25 yeah he's 25 I want to accentuate though that nothing is set in stone and for example, what happens if he picked up a really bad injury in the la- in the last game? Yeah, that, might, that would have a bearing. Who comes in? What offers? Is it really that big a move if he if he went to move um, somewhere like Brighton or Huddersfield? He'd have to wait, or, or Bournemouth even. He'd have to weigh that up very carefully. Um, whereas Bristol City in a couple of years could be in, in the same sort of position as them. The the way they're building. Well, let's just say for argument's sake, if Bobby Reid did leave, there are other strikers at the club. Matty Taylor is a very good striker. If he got first-team regular football, what could he be? But look at Shishu, he scored loads of goals this season. Absolutely. I think those two could be the main men next season if Bobby Reid did leave. Shishu, uh, obviously another two goals at the weekend. And um, I tweeted out about his his goal-scoring record, which is... What is it? It's fantastic. Well, basically, he's scored, what, 14 goals this season in almost half the minutes of Bobby Reid. Wow. So I was working out if he kept that scoring rate over yeah. the season, he'd have got 24 goals by now. Mm. So basically next season, and 
I have to emphasise as well that this was one of the points Lee made to me during the week is that he's been really impressing on the training pitch mm-hmm. um, and also when they do the video analysis over the season Jeju is really one that's been standing out so next season they're expecting even more from him so yeah he will. He is definitely a 20 goal man there they've, they've got straight away for next season they've probably got the best strike partnership in the league in my opinion at the moment but if worst yeah the worst case happens and Reed moves on then they've got Jeju already who's going to be their next 20 goal a season striker it's really worked out for those two this season which has been great to see so as I saw you on Facebook this week talking about who is the bigger future Lloyd Kelly or Zach Viner what's your thoughts on this one well yeah I I was told recently obviously I think I mentioned this before Viner was close to an under 20s call up for England mm. um, Lloyd Kelly has been there and played at that level already um, there was an interview at the weekend with him discussing that actually and yeah, I, Lloyd Kelly for me is just absolutely top class. Harshly dropped got, at the weekend, wasn't he? Yeah, he's got a lot to learn going backwards defensively, um, and he was given a rough ride by Traore. But there's there's plenty of players who've, who've suffered at the hands of the Middlesbrough winger, so uh, not too much to worry about there. And I actually thought, in fact, he started off that game up at the Riverside really well, and mm. and, and was on top of that duel. Um, maybe later on. Um, Traore got the better of it but um, yeah certainly going forward he just breezed oh, past players he just players makes it look so effortless doesn't yeah, he yeah absolutely and he's got a really good cross on him um, I think yeah he, he's got to play more often I, I, I've i said this a few times I would love to see Bristol City play three at the back because I think they've got several players it could make the most and, of yeah, yeah. Kelly is one and Viner would come into that Here's a wild sort of thought if Joe Bryan stays down could you ever see Joe Bryan progressing forward like Ryan Sessegnon a lot lot younger than Joe Bryan but the way he's progressed from left back to wing forward is that something that someone like Joe Bryan could do because you've got Lloyd Kelly in his position and where do you put Joe Bryan he's too good to leave out definitely definitely um my thinking is, if they tried three at the back, you'd have Flinty or Baker in the middle there as the, the 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 sort of the guy winning all the headers, and then they've got a plethora of guys who seem to be really good, sort of half between fullbacks and centre backs. Like mm-hmm. Bailey Wright is maybe not quite big enough for me to be a regular centre back, but to be one of three, has played yeah played really well on the on the right at right back this season, but. Um, also plays in a back three for Australia. Um, also, Magnuson is another one who fits into that role. Kelly fits into that role. Viner fits into that role. Guys who maybe aren't going to dominate enough to be in a back two, but in a back three, it w- would maybe bring more out of them. So, yeah, in, in that situation, you could also play Brian at left wing back. But anyway, hey. Well, over summer, we'll be obviously previewing next season. We're going to take a little bit of a break, which we'll tell you more about just for a week or two. And that will be it because we've got so much to look forward to next season, which I think Gregor and I are starting to look at already now because I think we've sort of resigned ourselves to this season being what it is and being done. But there's still a couple of games to go. And Jamie McAllister has been talking to you this morning, Gregor, uh, about the Nottingham Forest game. As you said, we're going to have a game to win and the next one's the most important um, against Forest. And that's the three points that we need to win. On Saturday, so we've fully focused on Forest this week. Mm. Don't speak about the next game until this game's finished. So we got to take care of our business and hope, as I say, other teams do. Um, there's a favour. So interesting to hear Jamie McAllister's thoughts on Lee Tomlin, such a talented player. No, he's, he's a good player and a good Forest team. Um, we're all good players, so um, we know his strengths, we know his weaknesses. Um, so as, as we do most of the players and well, all the players in the Forest team, so we know what we need to do. Um, to cause them problems and we'll do our best on Saturday to do that. 
played so well at midweek as well. I just have to say, right, Lee Thomas' record is a nice man to speak to because I've spoken to him a few times. Known to have a catch-up in the tunnel with. That's really interesting, actually, to hear that. Because um, I think fans probably assume the worst sometimes when a player leaves the club and it may not be like obviously there's a lot of this stuff about Tomlin and not fitting in and being a bad apple I, don't, I personally don't think that is the case I think um, too much is made of those situations sometimes and and maybe yeah just a player doesn't fit in they've got personal reasons or whatever and they have to move on oh, he, his, um, I think his family is sort of from around Midlands Way and things like that and around Nottingham and maybe his, his kids are up there but for him sort of being back up there and things are starting to click a bit now he seems to have though one or two games a season where he is the star man so for him it's about doing that consistently what sort of reception do you think he'll get from the Bristol City away fans at the weekend? Um, mixed maybe yeah, mixed at best because uh, obviously he didn't get the best reception back at Ashton Gate when Cardiff came over mm, in mm. November so uh, yeah interesting one he's back in form he spoke he? to me about Great that game. and I'm not going to tell you what he said mm. on here because it's not fair because it was a personal conversation but it was not at all derogatory towards Bristol City fans at all but it just showed that he is a human being he's just like you and me he has feelings you know imagine how you would feel if you're going to step out in front of all those fans and you were nervous about the reception you're going to get that's what I'll say about that because I don't want to sort of give too much of a private I conversation think away yeah I think that's a great message because yeah a lot of fans forget this as well uh, footballers play- are humans yeah. I know they're very exactly. lucky and I know a lot of them are paid well but they are people at the end of the day uh, finally Lewis Carey you caught up with him recently Yes, uh, that was fantastic. A couple of weeks ago at Ashton Gate, he was down and uh, managed to ask him a couple of questions about how that team of Gary Johnsons would compare to Lee Johnsons of now and also what um, Lewis thinks of uh, talisman Aidan Flint, who obviously plays in a similar position to himself, obviously two very different players, but um, just asked him about um, how the two compare. Uh, the, the, the biggest thing for me looking back was that we had got promoted the year before and the manager then added four or five players that were that had played in the championship, that had been around the championship, they knew the championship, um, that really pushed us forward, like Marvin, um, Marvin Elliott and uh, Darren Byfield and Michael McIndoe. You know, there's three or four signings, but it was the it was the it was a follow-on from the when it um, sorry from promotion. And with it being the first year in the back in the championship after nine years, the buzz and the atmosphere week in, week out in the stadium was was incredible. It was incredible. Like, you know, you want to say it now, you've got a smile on your face because whether it was because it was new, I don't know. Whether it's the name of the teams, I'd imagine there's a little bit of everything. But the atmosphere at each game, and it just drove us through. And I think uh, not getting beat in our first four or five games yeah. starts it. Uh, builds a confidence, builds a belief, and like I said, with with it snowballing from uh, the promotion the year before, it just steamrolled in the, the confidence we gained from it. Uh, you know, the first ten games and playing teams like Sheffield United and beating them live on Sky, um, who had just come down from the Prem and Brian Robson being a manager. You know, this was this was really big deals for us. Um, so it just built a, a togetherness that probably. One of my only times here was a real togetherness, and everybody was, you know, with each other on and off the pitch. Me, like myself in Flint, he was someone that I'd have probably enjoyed playing alongside because I liked it when it was uh, alongside people like Sean Taylor and uh, Jamie McComb, that were the big, more dominant players. And 
you know, I'd like to sort of, I was a little bit more, I'd read the game if that makes sense, and you know, the little man and a big man centre half, but, um, you know, his abilities and what he does do is he defends the box very well, and the other way, always offers a threat, whether that's him directly at goal or whether that's, um, you know, him causing confusion in the uh, in the penalty boxes and I think you know there's no getting away from it that is his that is his main strength you know his, his, his size and his power um, but he's been great he's been great the last uh, three or four years here you know uh, take take the goals and, and his size away from it you know he's um, I think surprised a lot of people with his um, you know, with his performances uh, in the last sort of three or four years especially in the championship Lewis Carey is a lovely man as well isn't he he's always a pleasure to talk to he is yeah he's at Southampton I think these days helping out so that's it for this week. We'll be back uh, next week for the penultimate season version of Robins on the Wire. As we look ahead to the final game of the season against Sheffield United, at one point we thought that might be the crunch game. At one point we thought that might decide the whole season. It doesn't look that way now unless there's some sort of miracle at the weekend. So uh, we'll be back to reflect the Forest game, look ahead to the Sheffield United game and start reflecting on what has been an incredible season for Bristol City. So thank you for listening. If you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review us and we'll catch you next week. Robins on the Wire.